This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello and welcome to another Poetry Motion with me, Neil Fitzmorris. We should just call this the Unstoppable Red Machine, shouldn't we? Incredible. Uh, we are here again to talk about all things Liverpool Football Club. Just riding this incredible crest of a wave that this just phenomenal football team is on at the moment. An incredible coach. To join me in doing that, we have two of the big hitters again from the uh, Liverpool Echoes, Blood Red. Uh, and uh, sports writers from there, of course. We've got Paul Ghost. How are you, Ghosty? Yeah, very well. Just about recovered from uh, a busy couple of days out in Lisbon this week. But uh, looking ahead now to uh, another massive one on Sunday, isn't it? Huge, mate. Did you get plenty of lighters off the pitch at the end of the game? <laughs> yeah, flags and lighters and all that. That was a, that was a selling them in a plenty background around the A houses. No, no, lighters that was, five pounds. That was all he had left to throw at Liverpool. A few lighters. <laughs> I think it was. Flags. Yeah, kitchen sink and then the lighters. Yeah. Uh, also joining me, Theo Squires. How are you, Theo? Yeah, I'm good. Cheers, Fitzy. Uh, I don't think I've been to a game in person since the Inter defeat. So itching for City at the weekend even more than you would be normally in these circumstances. Not a bad game to be itching to go and see, mate, is it? Let's be honest with you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll see how it feels at the final whistle, though. That, that one could be a decisive one to kill you or make you feel yeah. so happy going at the end of it. Yeah, it's, I mean, look, you've got to play the best to be the best, haven't you? Let's be honest with you. The fact that we're in... The fact that we're in in position to, to to possibly take the leads or take points when we were fourteen behind that long ago is is phenomenal. We have to just, I think we have, we have to keep reminding ourselves, lads, don't we, of the of the of the extraordinary efforts that this club have, have, have done already, just to get us. I mean, this season should have been over by now uh, in Man City's uh, thinking, as should the last few seasons really. But we've we've been there to um, to be the fly in the ointments, the toothache. To Pep Guardiola and the headache as well, and every other ache because uh, we're not going away. And then um, uh, the uh, the game against Benfica proved that went over there. Quite hostile, quite an intimidating grounds, big loud crowd trying to put you off. But um, pretty much all in all, apart from that little brain fart we had in the second half for about fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, where they, you know, they did what they were going to do. They came out the second half and had to try and turn things around. Crowd got behind them. They got a bit of momentum. We started. Getting a little bit squeaky bummed in me, a bit carsy in at times, but um, all in all, Ghosty, you did a job well done, and you'd have taken three one before the kickoff, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I think you know a lot of fans were kind of getting maybe a little bit ahead of themselves, thinking let's put the tie to bed and we can rest legs for the second leg. And you know, got so many big games coming up this month that Liverpool will need to do that whenever they can. But it was about just doing a job first and foremost, wasn't it? So I think that third goal is massive, to be honest, because. Going into the second leg at two, I still think Liverpool will have will progress and, and would have progressed, but it just would have made Liverpool need to go a bit stronger, shall we say, for that second leg. I think three one gives them a little bit of a cushion to rest one or two key names for that second leg next week. And um yeah, for, for 75, 80 minutes it was as good as a European performance as you're likely to see away from home. Quieted the quiet in the uh, partisan crowd really well I thought they were incredibly loud um, but Liverpool calmed them down played the game played, you know they were the superior side and, and made sure that they um, let the neutrals watch and know so yeah really good performance aside from as you say at the 10-15 minute period where Benfica had a bit of a go which was to be expected the Champions League quarterfinals after all at home massive crowd behind them um, but if it hadn't been for a slight error from Ibrahim Kanate, you might be looking at 3-4-0 in that game, but 
as it is, 3-1, you'd take that before kick-off and Liverpool will have every confidence of getting the job done now next week. Yeah, it's a funny one, Theo, because really speaking, there was <clears throat> their keeper was arguably with Nunes, I would say, the man of the match for, for, for Benfica. He kept them, he kept uh, us out on three or four occasions. Could have been, it could have been a, a really wide margin. That second half, though, when we started, Theo, it, it just, we had little, it was almost, we remembered what Liverpool were like when they were mortal. Um, we had some dodgy performances. Um, Thiago just wasn't at the races at all, was he? Misplacing passes and then, then he did that thing where he ran right into the play, got the yellow card thing. He felt he was coming off anyway. It seemed to be a, a quite a frustrating night for him. Naby Keita, though, um, more than picked up the slack, didn't he? Yeah, it's exactly why Liverpool have this strength and depth. So they can have cover for these off performances and they can make all these changes on the hour mark. Like you'd be saying, I suppose, when the team dropped um, in Lisbon, the Henderson would be certain to start against Man City. Thiago Fabinho, that would be an obvious trio. But when Naby Keita plays like that and Thiago drops off slightly, it suddenly gives Jurgen Klopp this dilemma and it's a welcome one as well. It's why Liverpool have this so much depth now. Like you look at the front three, um, we're almost in a position where you're saying, well, Mohamed Salah's not been at his best for a few weeks now. Do you actually put him on the bench? Do you start the informed players like Diaz, Mane and Jota? And that's a conversation we never thought we'd have before. Granted, the answer is probably going to be a case of, now nah, he still starts Salah, he's still a big game player, he's going to find form eventually. But it's just testament to Liverpool's abilities. And as you said, they could have scored so many more. But I think the Mohamed Salah of autumn, before he had the fatigue from AFCON, from the World Cup and everything. He scores at least two, doesn't he, against Benfica. There's one-on-one chances when we were seeing him scoring for fun. Like one was similar to one of the goals he got against United at Old Trafford, and he's just put it at the keeper. Jota should have scored as well. Um, but at the same time, does it make you miss away goals? If the away goal, goal rule still existed, three away goals, Benfica come into um, Anfield, it would be job done, tie done. You could rotate all your players, but instead there's still that chance that they can turn it around as we've seen the likes of Atletico do only a few years ago. But Liverpool in this place of strength now, where they don't even have to be at their very best and they're still scoring three or four goals. And when players like Thiago, who has been brilliant for the last few weeks, by the way, has an off good day, Naby is covering him. And you can bring on Henderson. That's why Liverpool are in this position now where they were miles off the title race come January. Now they're going for four trophies. It's incredible to see. And you run out of superlatives to say about them. Yeah, you do run out. You really do. Uh, just one little sort of blip on the horizon, if there is any at all, is, uh, and Theo touched on it there, is the, is the, the form of Mohamed Salah. Now, where it's great to have a strength of depth where you can take Salah off and replace him. You know, we've got the, we've got the, the scariest from five in, in world football, in my opinion. Um, but it's a couple of months, isn't it? It's almost a time with AFCON. You know, the Acon result didn't go his way. Then, of course, knocking out the Senegal, being by, by Senegal again. And, and he's took a lot of flack personally. Ridiculous, obviously, but that's the way football fans are around the world, aren't they? He's took a lot of flack personally for Egypt's failures to qualify for the World Cup. And then he's got this ongoing contract saga going on. Do you think that's probably weighing him down a little bit, Paul? If anything, he's, is he trying too hard? He's, he was a bit like this last season, wasn't he, where he was just taking a touch too many, running it into, running it into the keeper, just not quite finding his form. It's been it's been two months, obviously, since he's netted, and we desperately need we need him back in form, don't we? Yeah, well, he scored three penalties, hasn't he, since that goal against Norwich, which was the middle of February, his last goal in open play. I mean, only he'll know how much the, the contract stuff is weighing on his mind at the moment. Um, it might be 
something he's carried into every game. It might be something he doesn't give a second thought to. I'm not too sure. You'd, you'd probably have to ask an ex-professional about that and you know, kind of compare and contrast. You know, if, if someone had a similar situation, but I just think he, he's just been run into the ground. Um, he's been pulled and pushed in every direction from club and country in 2022 alone. I was writing a piece about it yesterday. He's, he's played 1600 minutes this year, 22 games. Um, you know, so many 120 minute games for Egypt that you know could have went either way. They had a few penalty shootout wins all the way to the Africa Cup of Nations final where he is the, the superstar of that team, isn't he? It's pretty much 10, 10 Egyptian lads and then Mohamed Salah and, and he went all the way to the final and, and you know that would have taken a mental toll as well as a physical one on him and it would have been the same thing for the World Cup you know, qualifier as well last week. So it's been a, a tough few months for him physically, certainly mentally as well um, and he could use a little bit of a rest. Uh, now the issue Jürgen Klopp's got at this very moment, is where does that rest come in? Because you're not going to be putting them on the bench against City. Benfica, okay, that is the one that's jumping out at me is the, the big red siren of put Mo on the bench and, and let him sit it out. Then you've got another game against City in the FA Cup semi final. You've got Everton to come up. You've got Manchester United to come up. So finding the time to give them a breather this month is going to be difficult. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things the club's got to wrestle with between now and, and the end of this month. But there's no doubt that he needs it for me, I think, at the moment. Yeah, he needs, I think, just a little bit of a headspace cleared as well, just as important. And, of course, we have to spare yeah. the thought for, these, for the Muslim footballers who are now doing Ramadan while they're playing football and fasting. And, and, and it must be an extraordinary toll on the body to, to, to the levels, Theo, that they play at, the levels of, of fitness and, 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 and not getting that sustenance that they normally have. It must be an extraordinary time. Yeah, it would. Um, but Liverpool, they've been sensitive to this and make sure all their plans for matches is around the Muslim prayers and everything to make sure Mane and Salah and Abi Keita, they can all do the preparation, preparations for the games. And it would take its toll. But these players, they've been professional footballers for what? We're talking 12, 15 years here. This is something they've had to deal with every year. While it's different for us, and we think, oh, the toll that would take, I still find ways to cope with it. And I think it's there's a number of reasons here where you can look at Salah's form. As Gorsty's touched on, there's got to be the fatigue from playing so many games. You look at the levels he was reaching in autumn, that, that was superhuman. And it was going to be impossible for him to keep that up for a whole season. Like Even messing around at their peak wouldn't have kept up that form for a whole season. And then that, that World Cup accent, that's got to really be playing on his mind. Like Cup of Nations, fair enough. He could reach another Cup of Nations final in two years, four years. And he'll still have a chance of winning it. But the World Cup, this could have been his tournament. He's been the best player in the world for the past 12, 18 months. And that was a stage to show it, the highest level. And that's been taken away. It's like, well, even if Egypt qualify 2026, he's going to be 34 now. It's such a difference there and what he would be able to contribute. He isn't going to be Egypt's star poster boy in the same sense of that he's at the very height of his abilities. They'll hope they'll have the next generation coming through. And then you think when it's one setback after another and it all piles on, well, he's used to these setbacks and he's had setbacks at Liverpool before and he's come back stronger, scored goals galore and won trophies. Now we can win a quadruple, win the Ballon d'Or. It still does all uh, take its toll on, it would on anyone. And then you throw in Ramadan as well and you think it shows how good he is that he can deal with all this. And while he's still not his best, he's still saying he's got to start for Liverpool. He's still one of the best forwards in the league. He's just going through a bit of a blip on the pitch. 
But then we're saying all this now and going, we're starting to have concerns. He's not scored from open play in two months. You wouldn't bet against him scoring the winner against City, would you? Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. An interesting one, though, Paul, isn't it? Because when we look at the draw, certainly for the Champions League, certainly a, a minor upset. I can't imagine 1-0 uh, uh, is going to be enough of Aral going to... Uh, mm. Go to the uh, to, to the to the Allianz, but it's still it's still a bit of a, a bit of an upset potentially on the cards. Uh, Chelsea stayed down the battle of a, of a, of a three one defeat last night, so it's a, it's it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting couple of games to come, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. It's funny because um, I didn't really get much sleep in Lisbon over the two days I was there. I I just collapsed about half seven last night, uh, and I woke up about half eleven, and the missus whispered those three little words to me. Everton got beat. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, well, I better check the scores then. So I had to look at, obviously, Everton and then Chelsea and then Villarreal. And I just thought, wow, that's just a, a massive night of results for Liverpool supporters, isn't it? Um, I'm still not sure whether it'll be enough, as you say, for Villarreal because um, Bayern Munich got beat by Salzburg, didn't he, in the first leg? And what did that finish? Was it six or seven? I can't even remember now. They absolutely hammered them. Um so we'll wait and see on that one. It'll be a completely different kettle of fish going over to the Alliance there for the for the Spanish side. But uh, the Europa League holders for a reason. Um, despite his kind of reputation as a bit of a comedy figure in English football, I still think the manager's good as well. Uh, he's, he's had plenty of success with Sevilla. He knows how to navigate European football. So certainly want to keep an eye on. But you know, if it's Liverpool v Villa Real in that Champions League semi-final, you. You're absolutely counting your lucky stars, aren't you? So, um, yeah, a big night of results for Liverpool. And they've just got to take care of, of, of their business next week now when it comes to the Champions League. But um, first up is a um, trip to the Etihad. And as Theo says, it could be the one that makes the season, but it could also be the one that breaks the season. And I think it's just, it's kind of poised, isn't it? Because, you know, if your glasses are full, you're thinking Liverpool are going to do the quadruple and this is going to be the greatest run into a season that we've ever seen and that anyone's ever seen, no matter who they support or follow. But then on the flip side, if it, your glasses are empty, you're thinking Liverpool are going to end up with nothing else and Man City are going to do the treble. So it's um, so finely poised between these two teams who, who I think are the best, certainly in England, no question, but the best teams in Europe and, and, and the world as well. So... It's just going to be an incredible five, six weeks and um, we continue on, don't we, on, on Sunday? Absolutely, Ghosty. And thank you for giving us a headline there as well. I can see the headline in tomorrow's uh, Liverpool Echo. You don't get much sleep in the Lisbon. Um, so, now, of course, we have the big Sunday game. Let's just have a, let's just have a little preview of this. I mean, it's, I don't think a football match has been bigger or more important uh, as it than, than what's coming up on Sunday. Liverpool, Man City... The two giants of this, certainly the two giants of the Premiership anyway, and beyond, really speaking. Um, it, it, again, what I said before, it's, 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 it's brilliant on one hand that we've we've even gotten to the point where we're, we're still showing down with these and we're still fighting and we're still on the shoulders of these. And, but like Paul's just said, Theo, it's, it's, it is literally one of these games, isn't it, where, where the next couple of games could decide pretty much everything this season, everything that's up for grabs, really, and it's... Again, an incredible. We don't have to look too far. We don't have to crane our necks too far from across from Anfield to realise how badly wrong it, it can go. But but it's uh, it's such a nerve wracking Sunday, isn't it, mate? We're looking for little things already in the city 
City lineup. Diaz is out and probably continues to be out, I would imagine. But they've got such a strong depth of squads, haven't they, mate? That um, it's going to be one of those. It's going to be. I can't remember the game being this important. Certainly domestically, can you? No, I can't. It's going to be huge for Liverpool, and it's one where you look at the, re the respective run-ins for these two sides as well. If Liverpool lose, well, you don't want to say it's title over. They have got a much tougher run in than Man City, and Man City against the lesser sides, that's usually when they just stroll to three, four-nil victories every week. It would be so much for Liverpool to turn it around then. At the moment, they've got momentum. They've got the gap back down to point, uh, one point. They've managed to, when they play first, take top spot. So they need to really make it count. Um, their record at the Etihad, it's, it's not been the best under Jurgen Klopp. There's been a couple of heavy defeats for obvious reasons, whether it's been players sent off or a bit of a, a title hangover. But one of the best away days under Jurgen Klopp was winning at the Etihad in those Champions League quarterfinals back in 2018. And Liverpool need another performance like that. The, the fine margins between the teams, it was a trip to the Etihad that cost them the title in 2019 when you look back. And that goal line clearance from John Stones, they need to set that record straight and have this as a game that could potentially set them on the way to winning the Premier League. And then you talk about, well, this week could be defining. You'd like to think they've got their foot in the Champions League semi-finals now. It'd be a hell of a ass from Benfica to turn it around coming to Anfield. But there's always that possibility on these European nights that teams can turn it around. And then you've got City again at Wembley in the FA Cup. You could be talking going for four trophies down to two. Um, it is a huge week for Liverpool and you just got to have faith in them and confidence that they can keep on doing what they're doing all season long. These are the games that they want to be in for. They It will have hurt them not winning anything last year and the circumstances that the season fell apart last year. It is a very Liverpool thing to do to bounce back in the most emphatic manner possible. They lose a Champions League final, oh, it's fine, we'll just win it the next year. Lose the title by a point, just go and win it the next year. Last year, we saw everything fall apart. This year, they'll just go and win everything. You want the season to finish like this, and this week is going to be huge because it's going to be a big ask for Jurgen Klopp to pick his players up if they lose to Man City on Sunday and still convince them they can win a Premier League title. But never say never. Both sides have got this winner's mentality. They'll both be going into this game confident they'll win, confident they'll win all the honours possible to them this season because City are still going for a treble, don't forget. Uh, stakes have never been higher, and it's what you want to see, these two sides just going at it full on with all these honours at stake. Yeah, absolutely. And Gorsty, what do you think? How do you... I mean, every Liverpool fan, all the Liverpool fans listening to this now, downloading if they're, whatever they're doing, walking along the beach, walking the dog, I don't know what you're doing, listening to your card, going on a journey. Thanks once again for joining us, by the way. Much appreciated. Gorsty, if you asked 100 Liverpool fans, you'd probably get a 50-50 split of how Liverpool are going to approach this game. How does Jürgen Klopp approach this game? It's the biggest game. It is the biggest game in our recent history. There's no doubt about it. And uh, how does he do it, Gorsty? What What do you think? You, you know, you, I, I know you interview him a lot and you, you you can sort of see how he ticks a little bit, I suppose. But um, how does he approach this? Does he go all guns? Does he pull back? It's it's fascinating, isn't it? But it's a real dilemma, I think, isn't it, for, for Ian Klopp? Yeah, it really is. Um, if you look at the game at the Etihad last season, he actually went pretty much 4-2-4. Then he played all four of Jota, Firmino, Mane and Salah. And for 30, 35 minutes, it worked really well. Uh, Liverpool went a goal up, then he got the penalty, I think, and it was looking good. And then City slowly but surely got themselves back in, into the game and, and in the end, I think a draw was a fair result. But it's an interesting one because I watched Tottenham beat Man City at the Etihad. Um, when was it? The day Liverpool beat Norwich, wasn't it? And counter-attacks with top-quality players seems to be 
a little bit of a thing that can hurt City. You know, look at Kane and Son and, and Kulisevsky that day. They were absolutely rampant on, on the counter-attack. Um, and there's no reason to think Liverpool would be any worse at, at, you know, executing that game plan with the speed and the quality that they've got, particularly of the front three, whoever plays. The only problem is I don't really see Jürgen Klopp altering his style. I think he'll he'll want to go and, and play his normal game and, you know, kind of look to exert Liverpool's style on City. Um, so we, we'll have to wait and see how it, how it pans out. Um, but I, I think this could be an opportunity for Jürgen Klopp to kind of take a little step back and think that, you know, in, in maybe the way Rafa Benitez did probably too much to his detriment at times, worry a little bit too much about the strength of the opposition. But, you know, this would be with good reason, wouldn't it, to think that City have got these types of players who can hurt Liverpool in certain areas. So maybe a little bit of a pragmatic counter-attacking style approach might be best suited. But, um, you know, Klopp will ultimately know better than me and the analysis team will be working hard on, on how... Uh, or where rather City's weaknesses are. Um, I think the only thing that the, the big glaring weakness at times this season has been the fact that they haven't been able to finish off the massive chances they, they created. Look at the Palace game the other week. That was a perfect example of that. Um, so it's um, it's going to be a fascinating one, I think. It certainly is, Theo. I think the midfield's going to be a huge one, isn't it? But do you think this is the kind of game that we unleash Diaz against them? He's an unknown thing to them. He's an unknown quantity, isn't he, to... To City, he's never let us down yet. He seems to just be a boundless energy cutting inside. He's a very, very dangerous player. So you've got that, you've got that front formation, have you? You've got Salah, who, who you'd imagine is gonna is gonna go. You could not. I mean, he takes two with him wherever he goes anyway. So um, probably Salah, uh, Salah, uh, Mane. And do you think Diaz, or do you think there's the possibility that um, he's gonna play Jota, or does he come in with Bobby Firmino? It, it's such a, it's such a tricky one. But Diaz, I feel. As an unknown quantity to City, you know, they've seen him play, but they haven't experienced the game against him. Could be worth the punt. Yeah, I'd go for Diaz. Like, when we've seen Pep Guardiola complain about Liverpool in the past, when he's been fearful of them, when he's been worried about the front three, it's that explosive pace. And Diaz is this unknown quantity to them. He's in form and he's just looking so dangerous when he's on the ball. He, he is Liverpool's match winner at the moment and he's just got a smile on his face and you think when he gets the ball something's going to happen like we saw him get a brilliant goal and a brilliant assist in midweek and you think he's Liverpool's best chance of winning this game when Salah's maybe not at his very best ability um, but you, like we've already said can't see Salah not starting it would be a, such a bold call to drop him and then it's who do you put in that other spot Sadio Mane he's looked decent up front he's got a bit of confidence at the moment from international duty and everything but I, I'd fancy Firmino like it seems that sort of game that suits him, where he can drop deeper and cause City problems and pop up with a big goal that we've seen him do so many times before. And then with Jota, well, he's the goal scorer off the bench, isn't he? So it's like games still level, 70 minutes, bring Jota on and he'll probably get you the winner. That seems a good role for him in this. But then you can make a case for any of them to start this game. And then Jurgen Klopp could surprise us and put four of them in and go 4-2-3-1, have Salah central with Firmino just behind to try and get Salah firing again. Um, this is what makes Liverpool these contenders now. The fact they have managed to get this points gap back, that they haven't got such depth, that they have got all these options now, and that you just can't predict what the team's going to be. You can't predict what the starting eleven is going to be. And if we're struggling to predict it, when we watch Liverpool every week, we know the strengths of Liverpool's players, we know the weaknesses of Liverpool players. What's Guardiola going to be thinking? Like before, for so long, you just knew Liverpool's team. 
like when they won the Champions League, you knew that was going to be the eleven. You knew every week the front three is going to be Salah, Mane, Firmino. Now you don't, and that makes them a very dangerous prospect. Gorsty touched on the fact that City were missing chances. They don't have that out-and-out goal scorer. They've got Foden, Mares, uh, De Bruyne, Sterling, Bernardo Silva. They'll get you goals, but it's not to the extent of Salah, Mane, Firmino, Diaz, Jota. Liverpool's front five is very unpredictable. And while they're still, some of them are learning how to play together as combinations, they're still getting results. They're still getting goals. Um, and it's a chance to really show their authority against Man City this weekend if Klopp gets the right connection. But then, even if it doesn't quite click early on, well, he's got two of them sitting on the bench that he can bring on to turn things up. And it's a dress rehearsal almost for the FA Cup semi-final. Um, you'd imagine all five of them, they're going to start one or other. Like, Klopp has to rotate his options here to get Liverpool competing on all fronts. Um, and this is the big one. This is the one where you need to go all out, play your players in form, play your players that are winning your games. And that that is Diaz at the moment. So it'll be a surprise if he's not starting. Hopefully he can pick up on his early Liverpool form. Because I think every time... You see him playing. Commentators are saying it. We're saying it every podcast. He looks like a player who's been playing for Liverpool for four years. He just settled in so well. And you're hoping it's not just a honeymoon period. There's a little blip at the start of next season. You think this is just going to get better and better. The way Salah exploded into life in 2017. The way Mane exploded into life into 2016. Liverpool have done it again. They found another good one. And we've got years of his peak ahead of us where Salah, Mane, Firmino get a bit older. Luis Diaz's stage. It's his time to shine. No better place to start than Man City at the Etihad. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. And no doubt, Paul, that uh, as much as we're talking about this, Pep Guardiola must be must be he must be striding up and down his his dressing room like one of those polar bears <laughs> you see at the zoo that's just give up them poor things where you see them doing that little walk, wandering up and down, and he must be absolutely beside himself at what's going on at the moment with Liverpool just come and tear them back at them and, and this huge game. You'd want a penny for his thoughts, mate, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's, um, I think the, the thing I always come back to when it comes to Liverpool and City with Guardiola is um, the documentary, All or Nothing, what was it, four years ago? Um, and he's talking in the Goodison Park dressing room almost about how dangerous Liverpool's front three are and how they scare him and his assistants are trying to calm him down. But he, he knew... And he knows kind of how dangerous Liverpool are. And, and since then, you've got another Jota and, and Luis Diaz to the mix as well. So, yeah, he, as much as I mentioned in the, the last answer about Klopp kind of giving some credence to City's strengths, you know, there's no doubt that Guardiola will be um, worried about Liverpool's strengths on the day because um, we've seen before, haven't we, when Liverpool went to Etihad in the Champions League in 2018, that kind of... Um, threat that Liverpool have, particularly on, on the counter. You, you know, look at the, the goals that they scored that day, pressing from the front, Firmino and, and Salah with, with the, the wonderful chip over Edison. So, yeah, I, you know, obviously, it's, as I say, it's the two best teams in the world, so they both got incredible quality right across the pitch, but I think Liverpool, as good as they've been defensively, I think they can really win this game with the options that they've got up front. And I don't see Salah being rested for it. I think this will be another one that they'll just ask him to, to power through. Diaz is a, is a really intriguing option because he's new, as you say, and he could give um, whoever's playing down the right a ton of afternoon because I thought he was man of the match in the Carabao Cup final against Chelsea, so more of the same on Sunday you know, would um, would certainly help. And then I, I, I'm kind of getting used to Mane as, as a number nine, uh, you know, playing through the middle. He, he seems to 
enjoy it there. He's picking up good movements and, and he's probably in good goal scoring form actually playing through the middle. So Jota is um is an option off the bench, isn't he? Seems to be someone who, who scores when he's not doing a whole lot else, he'll still pop up with an important goal, a decisive goal. So you've got that option as well. And then of course, Firmino is someone who, who can knit it all together. So it's gonna be difficult picking that front three, you know, five going into three and um it's it's probably a nice selection that eleven to have, isn't it, for Jürgen Klopp ahead of a, a massive game? It's huge. I'm salivating now, just thinking about the prospect of this match. I'm sal- like I'm tucking into a th- three-inch tomahawk steak, or if you're a veggie, a, a lovely, lovely veggie curry or something, or if you're a vegan, some soggy cardboard. It's going to be fantastic. I, I know it is. Talking of documentaries, Paul, you mentioned documentaries. Yeah. I must just say a shout out to um, to Peter Newton. Of course, you know him as the uh, as one of the presenters of Valet the Rouge, but um, <clears throat> he's a he's a, a Liverpool fanatic and, and 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 really knows his stuff. Follows them everywhere. <clears throat> and he wrote a book called The Boot Room. And BT Sports commissioned a documentary off the back of it because it was so so successful. If you haven't got a copy of the Boot Room, I think they still sell it in Anfield in 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 the Liverpool made shops. Uh, get it? It's fantastic. The documentary just sort of brought it to life. I went to see it last Wednesday in the um, in the Everyman. And um, it was brilliant. Uh, Pete was there, a few other people were there and a little speech beforehand. And it's just amazing. It's just a fantastic story of where Liverpool, who started off ironically, you know, in the second division, very much the second string team in this city. You know, Everton were flying high and, and uh, Liverpool were the were the ones struggling to get out of second division. You know, and then it, it's, it just talks about the, the introduction to Liverpool uh, of Bill Shankly. And, uh, and what he did in this little tiny boot room where they, they literally had a filing cabinet that had the, the whiskey in and the mixers. <laughs> and they'd sit among the football boots just talking. There was only one chair. And the other thing was up to in Bucket, I think. And uh, a, a couple of seats maybe and three or four of them would stand around and they'd just talk tactics. And it was just that that nucleus, that that kernel, if you like, uh, of what became Liverpool Football Club and, and, and the tactics they played and... They would come in and talk about everything. And they didn't even bring in managers from the teams they played and they'd talk to them about how they're playing and how their tactics are. It's just a fantastic watch for anyone who loves Liverpool Football Club. It's it's brilliant. It's insightful. Uh, Peter presents it as well and he does a great job. And it's just got some wonderful stories in it. And, and um, it's absolutely brilliant. I, I, I must watch, I have to just say. So well done to Peter and to BT Sports as well. It was on after the Benfica game tonight, but you can probably get them catch up or you'll get it somewhere anyway. But a good job, well done. Now, listen, what I'm going to do is, just because obviously we can talk about, you know, we can talk about Liverpool Football Club and what's coming up and stuff, but I just found some stats recently and it just has to remind us um, of just how far this club's come and how far, and what we take for granted, really, that we just sort of forget about. I got this, and many of you will have got this and we'll discuss it. Many of you have uh, I've had this on WhatsApp, I would imagine, uh, listening now. I have to actually tweet tweet this now because it's different. I had a, a tweet that said, uh, Frank Lampard has lost the same number of games, and that's six, as Everton manager, as Liverpool have in the whole of 2018 and 19, 2019 and 2020, and 2021, 2022 combined. Now, after last night's defeat, it's actually worse. He's actually lost seven games. Now that's going back to Liverpool stats and we'll talk about this now. This is the kind of thing you can kind of forget when you're caught up in the in the momentum of Liverpool and and, and, and how wonderful this team has been. But 
they lost. They've lost six games in three. Se- Forget about last season, right? I want a refund on last season. That was nothing. <laughs> last season can be summed up in two words: Allison's header. Um, yeah. No fans. Two, two no fans. There's another two. 2018-19, and 2021-2022. Six games lost in three seasons. That's not each season. That's between them. What that- one? Ghosty, it's phenomenal. This is phenomenal what we're watching, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And uh, well, I'd even counter that by saying it, it probably should or could be even better because two of those games they lost, they were already champions. They got beat by City after they won the league and they got beat by Arsenal when they, they were already <laughs> champions as well. So if you kind of discount them, it's you're looking at four games that meant something that Liverpool have lost. One when they were already 20-odd points clear to Wofford. Um, it is, it's, it's just absolutely phenomenal. I've kind of made the push in the match report on Tuesday night that you know you got your, your your thousands of fans going over to to Lisbon for the game and and they're not certainly taking it for granted they're enjoying every single minute and I've seen so many so many people even Virgil van Dijk actually he tweeted after the um the Watford game and it, it said something like just enjoy the ride and I think that that's just what you have to do at the moment because it's certainly the greatest Liverpool team that, that I've ever seen uh, in my lifetime um People of my age and younger will will have to agree because that doesn't mean a team that's come there since the, you know the the late eighties. Um, just phenomenal. And sometimes when, when I see you know some some of, some of my mates, you know, just in WhatsApp groups and that, and they'll have a little moan about you know certain players and you know what Liverpool are doing in the transfer market and things like that. And I just want to bang my head against the wall and just think this is as good as we've ever seen it. What are you? What are you moaning for? Um, of course, you, you can have your critiques and your, your little things, but you know ultimately, this is just a team that we should all be lauding and savouring while we can because uh, it won't always be like this, and uh, it certainly hasn't been like this in my lifetime. So I'm just, you know, completely enthralled to what what they're going to be doing in the next year or two, and certainly, you know, the next few weeks. Poetry in motion. On the Blood Red Channel. It's extraordinary, Theo, isn't it? Because, you know, most, most, and I'll say 95% of football fans in, in this country watching the Premiership are going to expect their team to lose six in a season, aren't they? If you lose six in a season, you ain't done a bad, you haven't done a bad job. You know, that's, this is over three seasons. I think it's, it's something like three, one and two. It's some combination of six anyway. It's just a phenomenon, isn't it? And it just shows you the foundation that the, the Klopp has based this club on. That they're, Not only are they impregnable when it comes to, to the, at the most of the time, but they're just so dangerous on the front as well. He really has turned this team into, into something very, very, very special, isn't he? And the signs were there in 17, 18 as well. Like <laughs> if they'd signed Van Dijk in the summer like they originally tried to do and you'd extend it another season, they'd have won a trophy that year. And that run would be even longer. Like I've got the league table up here. They only lost five in the league that season as well. So eleven off four season. That, that's pretty good as well. Um, and I think it's just a dodgy goalkeeping performance that cost them the Champions League that year. But this Liverpool team, they're just incredible. They do make these records. And as you're saying there, you, there was a time when you lose six games and you'd still win the title. That was common practice. Like Arsenal, when they were invincibles, they drew so many. They didn't win as many games as Liverpool and City do now. It just so happens that there's another team that are doing the exact same as Liverpool that are losing so few games and winning so many games. 
that it isn't just all-out dominance. The fact that we do have this title battle and it isn't just one side winning the league, winning all the domestic cups year after year, just makes it interesting. But yeah, it's incredible. And I will say, when you were talking about the Bootram boys there to helping out this side in the second division, this side of Merseyside, I'm impressed that you didn't say, and there's another team in Merseyside now looking like they're heading towards the second division. I thought that's where you were going with that. You have that little dig. Really, I leave the funny very, stuff to you, Theo. You're being very well behaved there, uh, Fitzy. I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's phenomenal. And, and you know, you've got stats like Virgil van Dijk's never been beaten at Anfield, has he? No, uh, Southampton player. Well, as a Southampton player, never in the Liverpool shirt. It yeah. is extraordinary. I'll give you another one now. Um, <clears throat> Liverpool conceded the least goals at home at seven this season, and that's the best in the top four leagues. I think it's like 90. It's the pyramid, isn't it? Um, and also, uh, so Liverpool haven't lost at home in front of a crowd for over five years. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and Liverpool at the moment have the top three assists in the Premiership. Trent on 11. Robbo on 10 and Salah on 10. That's your left and right fullback. They had the goal scorers as well, didn't they? Yeah, you've got like Son in that level as well in there yeah. to make it joint second, joint third. But yeah, it's just all out dominance and the stats. And then Alisson, is he top for the Golden Glove or second or something? He's going for it. We, this just shows. I think Alisson might be one ahead on that one. Yeah, but he's certainly up there. Yeah, that shows the dominance now that they're getting the most clean sheets, the most assists, the most goals with all the individuals. Uh, they've built an incredible machine. We have the two highest goal scorers, Salah and Jota. Salah's on 20, Jota's on 14. Liverpool conceded at least have done that one. Um, Sadio Mane, the most goals, 13 in the knockout stages of the Champions League since 2017-2018. He's uh, level with Ronaldo and Salah is on 11. Uh, and Liverpool haven't conceded the first half goal in any of their last 19 games since Shrewsbury. I mean, this is—it's a phenomenal. It's the, the, and you can. I, I've just, I just kind of handpicked six or seven or eight facts there during the course of the week. They're literally breaking records as they play, Paul. Aren't they? They're just on such a, a different level at the moment playing football. We we have to as Liverpool fans, and I keep saying this, and, I, and I'm going to keep saying it because as you've just said. You only have to. You don't have to go too far down the road to find a Man United fan who's going to turn around and say exactly what we were saying. 10 years ago when we were flying and then we mm. lost that momentum and then they took over. You know, they're all miserable now going, oh my God, this team's in turmoil. So we have to just enjoy every single second of what this team is delivering. And not only are they just delivering on a level that we can accept, they're delivering on a level far, far ahead of what we ever could have hoped for, Paul. I would say it's unbelievable, isn't it? I was thinking this, it might have been this morning actually, you know, with Liverpool in the Premier League this season then, it's it'd be the best season I've ever known, just because 2020 was the best season you've ever known. But then the last, you know, three months without football and, and that whole thing was just a bit surreal, wasn't it? But Liverpool will have the Carabao Cup to go along with the Premier League, and they'll be able to celebrate it with the fans this season, which I think will be the big thing. Um, if you offer me the, the Premier League now and and City to win win the other two, I'd, I'd probably take it, just because I think. This size of this football club getting to celebrate a league win with the supporters has been too long since they've been able to do that, haven't they? So that'll just be the, the party to end all parties. And yeah, it, it shouldn't it shouldn't be taken for granted because what we've seen, you know, the 
the development over the last four or five years has just been incredible. And, and now you're looking at it and you anywhere any player or any area of the team you want to pick out and dissect, it's um it, it compares to anything else that, that you've ever seen. So it's uh, it's just remarkable. As you say, those stats there, they're, they're incredible, aren't they? From the defensive records to the goal scoring records to the creative assists and then just I mean, I, I, the funny thing was, I was looking at the the, the team picture from Tuesday night, and, and you see them all like five across the front and six at the back or whatever. And you were man, you're looking at it thinking that this is just a world class team with, with world class players almost in every position. And I've never seen anything like it. So long may it continue. But as you say, you know, United fans were probably saying that in 2010, weren't they, when they had the likes of Rooney and or even going back a few years before that with Rooney and Tevez and Ronaldo and you know they still had gigs and skulls knocking about and it looked like it was never going to end for them and, and it does so um, it, you just have to enjoy it while it's here because it's, it might never be seen again. Yeah, absolutely. You know, It is that phenomenal. And Theo, just another stat there, Jota, the most headed goals. I mean, now scouting process and system has been, has been magnificent over the last few seasons, hasn't it? If you look at Jota, you know, I remember Jota getting signed and everyone going, oh, that was a bit left field, wasn't it? How much? 40 odd million. Jota, he's a bit... I mean, he's he's been a phenomenon, hasn't he? The size of him for the most headed goals in the Premiership. Uh, you know, when you've got players like, you know, Lukaku and players who are, who are known for thumping the ball in the net, you know. It's extraordinary, isn't it? The scouting process from the Van Dykes onwards, really. You know, the Andy Robertsons. I think I think it's Arsene Wenger that has recently come out and said their, their scouting policy is, is, has been absolutely incredible. And you've got to tip your hat to to to, to the going out and getting these acquisitions, mate. Haven't you? Diaz being the latest. You know, they seem to be signing players not not only look like they've been playing for us for, for three years on their debuts, but they're deadly, aren't they? Yeah, they are. It's almost like you're picking a team on a video game. Like you want your front three to be quick to be able to score goals. To be able to, you want your midfield to be able to pass and tackle. You want your defence to be this big machine where your full-backs are quick and they can cross and your centre-backs have got a bit of pace, a bit of power and they're so strong. It's like the attributes you want. Like, you know, when you pick your dream player and go, oh, this left foot, this right foot, they'd have this pace, this brain and everything. Liverpool just built a team like that. And when you break it down like that, it seems very simple. But then they've gone back to basics with their scouting. Like It wasn't so long ago where they were panicking and signing Mario Balotelli or they're bringing in Lazar Markovic for 20, 25 million and just wasted all the Luis Suarez money on that. It's a very quick turnaround to them be going and signing these players. And then you've got to remember as well, Jota wasn't first choice. Salah wasn't first choice. Mane wasn't first choice. Mario Gertz has come out um, recently and said he regrets not joining Liverpool. He was the first choice ahead of Mane. You think, well, Liverpool built this front three with that pace, that counter-attacking ability. That doesn't happen if you've got Gertz here and there. I think when they still had Coutinho, it wasn't about the fullbacks getting forward and being so deadly getting these crosses in. And with Jota, they have just signed this player that's perfect for it. You know your defence can get forward and put in these amazing crosses. And you know your players have got the pace to get in behind defences and get on the end of anything in the six-yard box in Salah and Mane. But they, Mane would score a few headers. Salah's, it's not his strength. So they've just found this young, well, this player who gets on the end of everything. He times his runs to perfection. He's getting in the six-yard box when Firmino wasn't, and that was a criticism, despite the fact he offered something completely different. And it's no wonder he's in the centre all the time, just waiting for these crosses. And when you've got two of the best crosses in football, either delivering it low for you to just get a tap in at the near post or the far post if you beat your man, or getting between two defenders and 
when you're header, you're going to score goals. And Jota's just reaping the benefits of that. They've got these perfect assets. They know their strengths and they sign players that suit it. And they know some players are getting a bit older now. They'll need uh, new fresh legs who can offer that pace in the front three. And that's where they're going to sign Diaz. It's just about getting all those pieces of the jigsaw together and putting them in the right places. And Liverpool are doing it time and time again. It's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely. And long may I continue. And let's just, as uh, Gorsi said before, as Van Dijk has said, just strap yourselves in and let's just enjoy every single second. We are Liverpool fans in a generation, a golden generation, like 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 no one's ever seen. It is it is remarkable. Feared across the world, feared in Europe. Um, no one wants to play us. And and if that, that if that doesn't fill you with pride, nothing else should really. It's 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 an incredible time to be a Liverpool fan. Let's bring Sunday on. Ghosty, hand on heart, my friends. Use your mind, your your brain, your heart, everything. Mm. Give us a result, kid, for Sunday. I think I think I'd take a draw. Because I think that, that keeps it alive. And you know, you think City could stumble somewhere else down the line and Liverpool could take advantage of it. I think a, a defeat would really just take the wind out of the sails and it probably shouldn't but it will feel like it won't it so um, yeah I'd, I'd, as much as Liverpool like to go on the front foot um, I think I'd, I'd take a draw at the moment Okay Theo Yeah I can't really say any different to be honest uh, if they win it's comparisons to when City won the league in 18-19 where they just went half a season winning every game if they lose it's got a bit of a feel of 13-14 where they went on that amazing run far longer than any team has a right to and then just lost a game at the wrong time and it fell apart a little bit. A draw you'd take because if you stay one point behind them, even though you've got a tougher run in, you still think you're putting the pressure on City. You're still chasing City and there are going to be more games where they're tired because they're focused on a Champions League semi-final or they're not taking chances and they get held to a draw whereas Liverpool just this machine at the moment winning games. But it does feel like Liverpool have to win, but they haven't had many good performances at the Etihad. And as I mentioned earlier, that one in the Champions League, that was a huge moment. That was that first game, I think, under Pop, where you really believe Liverpool were about to hit something special. They've beaten one of the best sides in Europe and went on to the Champions League final and everything that's come since then. Uh, if Liverpool could beat Man City at the Etihad, that is a huge statement. That, that will be them saying, we are the best side around. You only won the league last year because half our spine was ripped from us for most of the season. Now we've got all our best players back together. And whoever comes out on top, the other side will come back stronger next season. We already know City have signed a striker. I think the Argentinian lad, Alvarez, they're going to sign more players. They'll, they'll sign another left back, you'd imagine, get all the depth there to make sure they aren't in this position where they don't have the depth they have now. But Liverpool go stronger again. It's just going to be this ongoing battle for, as Gorski says, enjoy it whilst it lasts. Because while it'd be quite nice if people were strolling to victory in every trophy and every game, it would be a bit boring as well. We, we don't want that one side league. We want this title race. It's stressful, but you enjoy it. The fact that we're in this April now, aren't we? We've got this title decider, and it doesn't matter which one of them wins. You're still not quite sure that they're going to be the side that ends up as champions. There still can be twists and turns in the league, and that's why it's the, the best league in the world. Absolutely right. Uh, I, I just... I'd, I'd absolutely in Kevin Keegan mode. I'd love it. <laughs> I would uh, absolutely love it if we could just go. There is this feeling, isn't it, in, in football? I don't give. I don't give a toss. I'll be honest with you. You know, but but media wise, it's always you know Man City, the Giants, and Liverpool are sort of you know sneaking around and usurping their crown and blah blah blah. 
I don't agree with that at all. I think I think Liverpool, when Liverpool are on are, are on form, they're the best they're the best footballing side in this country by country mile. I don't care what anyone says. City are hard working. There's no doubt about that. They're not just a, I, I've said this before. They're not just a squad of stars worth the fortune. Yeah. They graft. They put a graft in. They are fit. They, and that's why they're as relentless as Liverpool. Because ultimately, if you run up against them for 15, 20 minutes, most teams are knackered by the end of it. And they, they can't. That's that's the code that Liverpool and Man City have broken that none of the others have. Their fitness levels are huge. They know when to attack and when to sit back. They've got that wonderful rhythm. I would just absolutely love it if Liverpool could just do it, even a 2 one You know, maybe I can't, it's a possibility that they're going to score. I don't know. But just to just to go there and slap them in the face there and just say, you know what I mean? Otherwise, it's Liverpool a great till they play City. And that's that's a kind of a little bit of a monkey we want to get off our backs, really. A little bit of a stigma that we want to try and avoid. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 victory for Liverpool and marching onwards. I think there's a frustration in City. And I think the front three that have been terrorising, ultimately, when it comes down to it, are not strikers. So they don't know how to hold positions that strikers do. So I think they can get a little bit flummoxed by it. Fingers crossed. I hope I'm right. I will take a draw, but I want to go that 2-1 victory, guys. Almonds and almonds. Either way, Ghosty, thank you so much, man, yet again, for your expertise and your knowledge and your and your, uh, your wise words on Liverpool. And, of course, Theo Squires, thank you very much indeed, my friend. Well, this is it. This is the crunch, isn't it? It doesn't get much bigger than this. Whatever you're listening to this, just hold on to your hats. Strap yourselves in. Sunday is the biggest the biggest game that we have, uh, we'll have seen domestically in a long, long time. And uh, just enjoy it and back the Reds 100%. This is Neil Fitz, and this has been Poetry in Motion. Come on, the Red Men. You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.